Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. Whatever financing, whether it's employer-based or tax-based, we think that a cardinal feature of the system needs to be physician groups being at the center, basically, of the delivery system, the Pentium chip, as it were, our members. Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with returning guest, Don Crane, who serves as president and CEO of America's Physician Groups. Typically, when Don serves as a guest, we hear about the upcoming conference, which is in the spring. Unfortunately, this year's conference, like many others, was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But we do hope you can still enjoy the episode where Don talks about the latest and greatest with America's Physician Groups, which serves 195,000 physicians across 44 states. Thanks, folks. Enjoy the show. So, Don, welcome back to the show. We've had you in years past talk about, uh, I remember, your dogs as part of your life. For this year's episode, can you share with us maybe something else about you that might surprise the audience? Could be a hobby, fun fact. Uh, yeah. Oh, let's try a fun fact that maybe ties into uh, current events and issues relating to healthcare and all of the issues that we're about to talk about in a minute. And my fun fact is the... That in the, every morning, or not every morning, on those mornings, I should say, when I go to work out here downtown, I walk about four or five blocks to get to the gym. And on my route is Eddie. Eddie is a homeless guy on the corner there of Fifth and uh, Figueroa. Every morning, uh, you'd think he punched a clock or something like that. He's so regular there. Anyway, Eddie and I are pretty good friends. And so I'm just 30 minutes ago was chatting with Eddie and talking it up about how's it going and comparing notes. And uh, anyway, he's my friend, and uh, I'm sort of proud of that, frankly. And uh, that would be my fun fact. Okay. Does he know you um, are plugged in to the work that you do and have some influence on potential care for homelessness? You know, he does a, a bit. I mean, he's asked me, what, what do I do? And, you know, when they make reference to, um, you know, as soon as I say lobbying and talking perhaps with congressmen and senators, he's hugely impressed <laughs> far more than i am <laughs> so he knows a bit about what i do and okay. i told him i think that i'm interested in healthcare, but uh um that's all yeah. okay yeah cool awesome well hey eddie if you happen to hear this episode man little shout out there from your buddy don yeah okay so uh don you are a returning guest uh to the show and uh, i think a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with your organization but uh, i think a lot of folks may not be so can you give a quick recap for us as to who is APG and uh, the former name of CAPG for us. Sure. So APG, we are America's Physician Groups, professional association comprised of physician groups, not individual doctors, but physician groups. Uh, I think 100, 310 of them at last count across 44 states. Um, those physician groups employ, in some cases, or contract, in other cases, with approximately 195,000 physicians who in turn take care of something on the order of 44 million patients. So we're a fairly large, I think you can say, professional association engaged in 
healthcare advocacy and education across the country. Um, our name now is APG. I think perhaps at the time of this last interview, we were CAPG, California Association of Physician Groups. Uh, we were at that time strictly a California-based association, so our roots remain in California, but we're very much national in scope. Over half of our members um, have their principal places of business outside of California now. Uh, we have an office in Washington, D.C., where we spend a lot of time advocating, as well as Sacramento and various places in between. Awesome. And uh, as the folks know who have heard uh, Don before, you spent about uh, half your time or so in D.C.? That's right. That's about right. About half there and half here in California. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you have a regular spot? I know you uh, are into fitness. Do you have your regular workout spot out there? Uh, I do. It's a CrossFit gym. I don't do CrossFit because I'm not anywhere near athletic enough or maybe crazy enough to do that. But <laughs> a couple doors down from my apartment's a gym, which is pretty convenient. Yes. Okay. Awesome, Don. So value-based care. We talk about this every year because that's a big focus of your organization. A lot of our listeners are not physicians, but they might work with physicians or work, work with facilities that physicians help lead. Can you explain in a nutshell what is value-based care and why has APG been heavily interested in and focused on value-based care? So I'll start by saying what it is not, and it's best defined by what it is not. And what value-based care is not is fee-for-service-based care, where providers are paid per click for each service they do. That's our sort of legacy system, still very much present across the whole country and even in California. And it is seen as driving costs up, increasing volume, um, and being a barrier, frankly, to quality. So that is one thing that a value-based care is not. So what is it then? So it's care where the providers, hospitals and groups typically, uh, their performance and their quality performance is measured and managed and rewarded and recognized. So it's very much quality-based, where you don't find that in fee-for-service models at all. It also is characterized by the payment model, where in the case of physician groups, they're, pay, they're at risk. They're accountable for the cost of the care by reason of some budget-based kind of payment. Could be capitation, could be uh, upside-only uh, uh, profit-sharing, could be downside risk-sharing, uh, could be a full spectrum of payment methodologies, but all involving what is known as risk, which is perhaps a misnomer, but it's all very much budget-based. If the performance produces, you know, is done for a population at an amount lower than the budget, well, that produces a profit. If it's done at an amount higher than the budget, well, there's a loss. And so it's very much like business, businesses of all kinds across the country. So that's value-based care. So while I've had you on the show in the past and knew about value-based care, one thing I don't think I've asked is, there are some physicians that, uh, I think it's general knowledge in healthcare at least, there's some physicians who have opted out of value-based care and tried to stick with fee-for-service, or they've gone more into concierge medicine as they've been very money-motivated. So with APG, that's different. They're focused on quality and motivated by quality. Have you seen friction among physicians, from maybe from the beginning of your time at CAPG, where like, there was concern that they wouldn't be able to sustain uh, what they were used to financially? 
So we're in really kind of version 2.0 of the value movement. So version 1.0 was the managed care of old that we saw in the late 80s and the early 90s across the country. And indeed, it failed in many places for a variety of reasons we could get into if you wanted to. But that experience was, for many physicians, bad. And indeed, at that time, they did opt out. And many of them that are still practicing have a memory of the difficulties associated with managed care of old. Moving forward to today, I think it's more a case not so much of opting out as whether they've yet opted in. The value movement is in progress. It's like a wave moving across the country, but it isn't everywhere yet. There's greater concentrations of it in certain areas and less in others. And um, so not all physicians have even yet been presented with the opportunity to opt in or opt out. But that is underway and that will happen. And I think you'll see increased levels and numbers of physicians opting in as the number of ACOs in increase, as the number of direct contracted models increase, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's fair to speculate that you will also see differences, however, in the uptake of value-based and risk-based models. They're more primary care-oriented, it is true, and you will see, I think, and we have seen some specialties that are less interested in living within a risk environment. Think, for example, the hospital-based physicians, anesthesiologists and pathologists and radiologists and the like that are currently under the microscope because of surprise billing and so on. That's a function and a, a kind of a vestige of a fee-for-service world. And so they like that world, and there will probably always be physicians within a fee-for-service, uh, with a fee-for-service mentality. But that's changing. It's the pace of the change that's debatable. But the number of ACOs across the country grows each year, and the movement is happening and looks almost inexorable to me. It's just a question of the pace, how fast we're going to get to get there. Okay. Would you say for a physician who maybe runs his or her own practice still today, which is seemingly becoming less and less, would you say that, hey, if a physician is going to practice, or maybe for the medical school students that are listening today, is it in the future, is it take like you will need to be able, you will need to participate in value-based care or you won't be able to practice? Is that kind of a general theme you see down the road, or? You're going to want to in most cases. So the graduates coming out of medical school, your example, that today are very much interested in work-life balance. Yes. They are drawn to organized medical groups. Think the Kaiser Permanente groups. Think the other APG groups where uh, they work in a collegial environment primary care physicians, specialists working together in a team-based kind of model with mid-levels and physician extenders on the team, whether they're pharmacists or psychologists and uh, nurse practitioners and the like. And that uh, mode of practice is appealing to them, and that will all be value-based or largely value-based, and they will be drawn to it. Frankly, I think it'll suit um, their, their interest. Those physicians that don't move into the value world will be obliged to remain in a fee-for-service world. And I now want you to think of a hamster wheel where to make large amounts of money, they have to run faster and faster and work longer and harder and harder. Not a very attractive proposition to students coming out of medical school these days. 
So the options will change indeed over the course of time as the market changes, as the value movement um, becomes more embedded. Uh, there will be other factors at play. Will they be employed by hospitals? Will they not? Um, so. Okay, good. So tell us about your three pillars of excellence at APG. So I think you're referring to our strategic plan. We have a mission statement, of course, and a vision statement, but within our strategic plan, we have three sort of pillars, uh, major goal areas that define what we do. So pillar number one is advocacy. Pillar number two is education. And pillar number three is leadership. The advocacy is fairly self-explanatory. So clearly we're weighing in on legislation, regulation, both in Washington, D.C. and California in order to advance our mission of proliferating, capitated, risk-based, delegated, coordinated care, lots of multi-syllabic words to describe our model. So that's what our advocacy is all about. The education is both intramural and intramural, extramural, in that we're sharing best practices within our ranks, but also we export the know-how we have to other physicians and physician groups around the country that want to learn how to practice in this both delivery model and business model and care model. And then the third one, leadership, is well indeed, you know, we are leaders of the value movement. In fact, I think like to think that the Affordable Care Act, followed by the macro law, has pretty much adopted our model, both payment and care models, as the model for the future of American healthcare. Can you remind the audience, keeping in mind that not all are physicians, what is the macro law that you helped push forward? So that's the Medicare and CHIP Reauthorization Act. I think I have that acronym right. It was passed, I believe, in 2015. So I think the Affordable Care Act 2010, just trying to set up the framework here. Macro was enacted and adopted in 2015, and it really put fee-for-service on the run, right? So... It got rid of the sustained growth rate. That was important, the SGR, a little bit esoteric, of course, but created also incentives and programs that I think are putting the fee-for-service model on an extinction path, okay, and gave us APMs, yet another acronym, alternative payment models, which are all about risk-based payment, quality, measurement, and reward, and really uh, the models of the future for healthcare. So that's macro, and that was indeed a very important uh, milestone in the evolution of American healthcare. Awesome. So again, the three pillars are advocacy, leadership, and? Education. Very good. Thanks, Don, for uh, highlighting that for us. We're going to take a short break, and you mentioned for your advocacy, you do it on a federal level in D.C., where you are there every other week yourself, but also California. And when we return, I want to talk a little bit about what is uh, being talked about a lot in California and your take on it. So we'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned. Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. All right, folks, welcome back from the break. So before the break, I mentioned that we're going to take a little bit of a focus here on Don and his team's work in California specifically. And this actually is also probably a federal issue. So right now uh, we're recording and uh, the Democratic primaries are taking place. Um, There's a lot of talk about universal health care. And here in California, 
there's also talk about universal health care. And California is uh, one of the first to require the individual mandate, which uh, was a part of Obama's push, but uh, Trump uh, and his administration um, removed that federally. So here in 2020, California now has an individual mandate, which uh, I heard on the news recently. Over 400,000 new individuals have signed up on the California Exchange, which was originally created for uh, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, when it was mandated that we get insurance. So I wanted to see, Don, does APG have a stance on universal health care? Are you able to comment on the whole universal health care idea? Sure, I can certainly offer some comments. Well, I'd start by saying we believe in universal coverage. I mean, we do think that everyone ought to be able to have access to medical care. Uh, There ought to be some kind of coverage somehow for it. Um, We haven't taken a position pro or con on Medicare for all, for example. We limit our advocacy thus far on the things I was mentioning earlier, which is the payment model Put, make physicians uh, accountable for cost by reason of the risk payment models and make them accountable for quality. That's where that's core to our advocacy. I mean, clearly we live in this ecosystem and we talk and think a lot about universal coverage and how it might be done. We think that whatever mode of coverage would be adopted by our legislature, Whatever financing, whether it's employer-based or tax-based, we think that a cardinal feature of the system needs to be physician groups being at the center, basically, of the delivery system, the Pentium chip, as it were, our members. Uh, So we could live within different kinds of systems, provided that they were physician group-based, primary care-based, risk-based, all the things I've just, just mentioned. Okay. And lastly, Don, um, this is a hot year in politics. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see, in, in your experience, have both sides of the aisle been as approachable with your organization? And this is a little bit of a tricky question, mm-hmm. and I can cut this out. But uh, yeah, how is the current administration to receiving your input and being accessible to you? been excellent, actually. So Alex Azar, the secretary of HHS, uh, has led all of HHS and along with Seema Verma, CMS, and they've been very approachable, and we've been working closely with them. So the new models that CMMI has just recently launched, the new direct contracting models, we had a strong hand in the development of those and now the implementation of those as they're being trotted out across the country, and our members and other physician groups are, as we speak, submitting their applications for the cluster of five models that they are piloting. So, and all this, I think, is a function of our model and our efforts to transform American healthcare are seen largely as nonpartisan, and that's fortunate for us. So we're working well with both sides of the aisle on it, and that's been a, a, a good thing for sure. Very good. And uh, I think most of the audience knows what CMMI is, but can you refresh uh, that acronym? Yes, the center. It's the Innovation Center, as it's called offhand, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services Innovation Center. Very good. And this was actually something I learned from you guys um, a few years back. I did not know that existed. And function of the Affordable Care Act, I think it has funding of 10 
million a year, billion a year, some it's an M or a B, I can't recall, it's an M, I think. So it's well funded, designed to, you know, really produce innovation and changes and transform the healthcare system. So it's a laboratory hard at work at new models and so forth and trying to move us from volume to value. Awesome. Well, folks, Don Crane has been our guest. He leads America's physician groups. And you've been with CAPG APG for how long now? 19 years. Woo-wee. He's got a law background. You can learn a little bit more about him on LinkedIn. Um, And, of course, APG by looking at APG.org. If you do enjoy today's episode, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. And you can follow us, of course, at pophealthpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Take care. And thanks again, Don. My pleasure. Thank you.